motherfucker. That was going so well. Joe Rogan hasn't doesn't have to deal with this shit. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Joe Rogan doesn't have to lift fucking generators upstairs. I mean, this is Africa, fuck, bro. brother. Can't get the staff these days, Rich. Fuck you. <laughs> Yo, what's good, people? Um, welcome to the first episode of the Southwest Show. Today on the show, I have Richard Kwan, better known as Richie Kwan, the notorious, the infamous. Um, for you that are in the fighting world in this lovely country of ours, in fact, internationally, we'll know Richie Kwan, former owner of Fight Fit Militia, now owner of Kwan Weasels. Um, he is a second degree black belt. He is also the owner of Kwan Weasels, which we'll talk about the new gym now, which is insane. Uh, if you're in the gun world, you probably know of Richie as well. He's heavily heavily uh, involved with people like Deploy Concepts. Um, yeah. So I'm going to introduce Richie now. Um, we're going to get into a conversation about everything dangerous. There's not many more men I know that are all-rounded in educated violence. So introducing Richie, how are you, my man? Good, and you? I'm all right. I know you've had a mad day today. As always. Yeah, and it doesn't help that it's 78 degrees outside in South Africa today. Something's um, definitely not right. No, um, Greta Thunberg was correct. Um, but so we're going to get, I want to get into, so me and you have known, <coughs> me and you have known each other for quite a while now. Um, on episode two, you'll hear us talk about the four musketeers and the pikey, which is our bow hunting group. Um yeah, we, we kind of cross paths in many ways. Um, but I've always been, like, I've never really sat down with you. Mm -mm. Like, sitting down with you is not something that you really get to do. The only time we ever really sit is when we're at a hunting camp and we're generally talking about the fuck-ups of the day. Yeah, it's usually our lifestyle. Right? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're basically talking about either who missed what, who hit what, and that's all that gets talked about. Um, or the fact that I'm small and I need to take steroids. <laughs> um, so I've, I've always been really interested. So... What the Southwest show was, what I kind of want to delve into is when I get guys like you on, is what creates the man you've become today? How have you became, how have you become successful? Where did you come from? What brought you into what you do? And kind of what's happening now with you as a round off? So you didn't, you didn't grow up here, obviously. Your parents are from Malaysia, am I right? So <clears throat> my parents are from here. Okay. My dad's South African Chinese. My mom's from Zimbabwe. Okay. Uh, I was here until I was nine. Okay. And after 1994, when I turned nine, my parents um, headed to Asia. I went to Malaysia, lived in Malaysia and Thailand, basically until I was like 18, 19. And you started, I mean, we just had the conversation now, you've been doing jiu-jitsu for 20 odd years, but you said that you started martial arts when you were nine. Yeah, so basically when I left, I started martial arts because I went to Asia. That's, you know, yeah. the birth of it. And always been obsessed about martial arts, though, okay. since I was a kid. So since you were a lighty, it was something that you were always interested in. Not, I wouldn't even say interested. I, I had an obsession. Okay. With it. Like, I don't even know what other things I was doing other than watching Bruce Lee and okay. kung fu films, old kung fu films and... So this is almost, this isn't something that you found. 
later on in life. This is something that, you know, you hear a lot of so stories with soldiers. They'll say from a kid, all I wanted to be was a soldier. So from a kid, all you wanted to do was practice martial arts in yeah. some form or manner. And you started with what? I take it Muay Thai. In yeah. So because I was in Thailand, uh, Muay Thai was national sport. Yeah. Striking was the thing. There was no such thing as Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. And even wrestling wasn't wasn't massive then. Everything had to do with striking. Right? Yeah. So back in those days was your traditional martial arts, what we call like the non-alive martial arts, and your alive martial arts, which is like your boxing, your Muay Thai, so forth. So like, yeah, your karate, your taekwondo, mm. you know, that type of stuff that was super popular back in those days mm. in the 90s. Um, never did it when I was here, but when I went overseas, I had the opportunity then, obviously, because of where I was. Okay. And um, fortunately, unfortunately, I started with the hardest martial arts. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, fortunately, <coughs> in the fact that your experience level grows as you grow because you started so early. Yeah. Um, so then when did you, did you get into jujitsu pre leaving Thailand or after you left Thailand? Yeah, pretty much pre. It's when mixed martial arts became super popular, you know, UFC one, two, three. Mm. Um, and there was a few guys in the area when I say a few, maybe one or two mm. that under like new jujitsu, especially in like the gi. Yeah. Um, know you would like watch videos and stuff around with your mates and because i was in thailand and had a lot of foreigners coming in and out so yeah this yeah. guy knew a little bit of that and so unofficially i started like there just with like random guys and certain individuals there that that knew the sport <clears throat> and going over to the u.s was a bit different because it was kind of booming that side yeah that's where kind of officially started yeah there's more infrastructure isn't there in the u.s i mean still when we get later on to where we are now yeah we'll talk about that but so you left thailand and went to the u.s mm -hmm. okay at, at what age was that 18 18 mm. and then you stayed in the u.s for how long until i was 21 oh okay <coughs> and the whole time you were in the u.s at this time you were you were studying jujitsu um no i went there to fight oh okay okay because i thought i was a fighter fighter and being in that environment had a few mma fights i had a gym called oc muay thai there i was mm -hmm. in orange county <clears throat> and um just because of, you know i kind of opened up the gym with uh, a fellow student uh, business partner there mm. i kind of just fell into a role of of coaching okay. it, was, it wasn't my thing at all I wanted to compete. I wanted to, do, you know, like try to get to the highest level. And I fell into coaching. It was the, just one day I woke up and all of a sudden this guy's asking for help and that guy's I'm holding pads all of a sudden and cornering guys and so forth. And next thing I knew, I was kind of like in a full role coaching position. Coaching position. And, you know, some of the guys know, like I coached really big names mm. in that side of the world that are very big names right now. One of the biggest ones, Cup Swanson, mm. who's like kind of a veteran in the UFC, mm. trained in his, nearly his whole amateur career. Okay. And yeah, but I enjoyed it more than fighting. And yeah. that, that role kind of switched when I came back to South Africa more. So how old were you when you came back to <clears throat> South Africa? Like 21. Oh, okay. Mm. And so you didn't fight. That was it. Game over. As soon as you became a coach, that was it. I don't... You, that was it, yeah. I had like one or two that side, you know, a handful here and there and did some grappling tournaments. And But 
just got, my time just got consumed with people mm. asking for help and me helping them. And it, it just kind of took off that way. And um, because mixed martial arts was kind of booming back then, yeah, I left just before it became legal in California. So we were fighting on like Indian land, Palm Springs, yeah. up north, uh, Tijuana Giant, Mexico, mm. you know, crossing the border at San Diego. All the fights were there, so we used to, you know. So was this pre UFC or like UFC <coughs> one two kind of stage, uh, no, the early days? No, there was UFC. I mean, I, I cornered some of the UFC guys back then in Vegas. Okay, um, but it was still super early days. You know? Yeah. Um, when I left, it became legal in California mm. to run events, mm. and guys could fight now in California, okay. and that changed the game. Uh, for everything, that's when you know all the promotions started picking up, and every other state got legal. And yeah. before you know it, pretty much every state accepted 100%. the fact as UFC or MMA as a official sport, yeah. rather than the early days. From what I know, is everyone kind of frowned upon it. Like there's not really a discipline. Yeah, it's just that, a bunch of hard guys beating each other up. Exactly, because coming from the US, where it was kind of like getting popular and understood mm. and then coming back to africa it was like going back to the dark ages yeah people understanding what mixed martial arts was okay so you came back to africa 21 yeah is that when you started fight fit militia yeah so that's kind of i got back here i was pretty much super depressed because yeah. i had left like something you enjoying something i enjoy why did you leave uh passport my okay, parents, visas. My parents were back here. I was a young kid, bro. I didn't understand all of that yeah, type of stuff. No, 100%. You know? um, and America make it hard. Yeah. Uh, I didn't understand the process, right? So I had to come back. Um, my family were back here now. And yeah, it was kind of like for six months, they didn't know what, what I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, you know, I love martial arts, but I didn't know anyone here. Yeah. I never lived here. I'm, I wasn't South African you know yeah I, I was asian yes at the end of the day yeah, yeah um i knew nothing about south africa i despised the place yeah um i mean coming from california back then which california was the heyday back then yeah i mean i remember going to california early late 90s it was sick it was amazing yeah. it was a cool place yeah. now it's a different story from what i know and talk to people who are living out there it's a different place but yeah i mean coming back here in the late 90s versus yeah. and leaving there i mean i can the start yeah. contrast was massive it was massive and the different culture for me to understand, you know, going from Asia to the US, mm. coming back to South Africa. So for six months, I kind of like did nothing. And actually, my cousin that was living here mm. said, um, well, there's a space in a taekwondo gym that if you want to come through, you can like start teaching your classes, whatever you want, Muay Thai, mixed martial arts, whatever you guys like feel like. So... Uh, I kind of was hesitant for a week or two and eventually I was like, let me just get back into it. I want, I needed to train as well. So the longest in my whole life I've been away from martial mm. arts. I was going a little bit crazy. So I was in Ravonia, small little Taekwondo gym. I walked in there and I had a time slot after um, the main classes. I think it was like 7.30 to 8.30. And I started teaching a handful of guys and I blinked. And there was like a hundred guys in the mm. class, you know, um, it was quite insane and big, big, big names that guys know right now mm. and like owners of the EFC mm. all came out of my gym, you know, all of that type of stuff. And 
um, yeah, and it, it got so big that <clears throat> I was still studying, um, plus running this gym. And then guys came to me and they wanted to compete, but I didn't actually understand the, the, the processes the here. processes here because I'd never seen any events. Is EFC on at this time or no, not? No, no. That's so not EFC even in existence. came out of my gym. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. So this was kind of like competitions were only being held in Durban. Like private events yeah, almost. with basically one, one individual, one promotion. And um, yeah, so it, guys were fighting out of like tents. Yeah, Marty was saying the yeah, other day. Car parks <laughs> and it was really like dark ages compared to where yeah. I, I, I came from. Um, I moved then, oh, I got so big then that the owner of the Taekwondo school got a little bit irritated. He said, listen, you need your own yeah, place. Space, yeah. yeah. So I found a place in Ravonia. <clears throat> um, it's basically in a car park, underground car park. I didn't even have a door. <laughs> he bricked the place up. I had some windows. I didn't have a flipping door. Or we roll a big-ass tractor tire in front of the door space. I had wooden floors, puzzled mats. I think I had like three or four bags. Real like... Dark uh, ages uh, shit. Thailand style vibes. <laughs> yeah. you know? And that was my style because that's where I grew yeah. up. Yeah. You know? So, And... Um, <clears throat> started running classes there again blink tons of people some guys want to compete so i'm like all right let's let's get into the competition world here mm. let me see what the vibe is and competed in some flipping underground garage <laughs> in a ring and went down to durban fought in like a tent and then up here in a, like a school hall and it just kind of picked up <coughs> picked up from there um then basically the current owners of EFC were my students back mm. then and they wanted to start an event yeah. because mixed martial arts overseas was getting massive. There was nothing here. Seen the it potential. Was, exactly. It wasn't a, like formalized here. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there was a gap in the market for a business. Simple. Simple. Yeah. They jumped onto to that. They asked me some for some advice, gave it to them. And next thing you know, EFC 1 happened. Okay. Coca-Cola Dome, and then from there, everything's history. So was <clears throat> my good Chom Marty Van Staden around at this point in your life? Um, no, this was even just before that. So when did the black... Because I always hear your guys. So for everyone watching, I don't do jujitsu. It's something that I kind of stepped into and I've stepped back out of for several reasons. I haven't got time to get that obsessed about something. I've got a really bad neck injury. But... I'm also really close friends, weirdly, with a lot of like quite of your high or longer standing guys. Yeah, the senior guys, yeah. Yeah, so I've, like I've just become really good friends with them, um, which is I think why I get pummeled in through the mat every time I do get on the mat is because I walk over and say hello to you and the white butts are like, mm, come here. <laughs> um, so I always hear black mats referred to, the dark days where you made a lot of EFC champions and... Yeah. lunatics came out of that gym pretty much that was the... is is that was that the gym after the tractor door yeah so the <laughs> i got too big again mm. at this facility that just cars everywhere and it was just too much people for the facility the owner came to me and said oh, bro you can't be here anymore mm. um again student at the gym said hey got a shopping center down the road got a facility for you there why don't you take it and obviously, this is when <clears throat> myself and, and Norman, uh, he was a student then. He kind of jumped into the role uh, of 
getting my shit in order. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I'm not the greatest businessman. You're like me. You like to make stuff. You don't like running stuff. I don't stuff. do admin. I don't like, I'm yeah. a martial artist. And yes. I'm a coach now, especially back then, obviously over the years. I've You've got better learn, at it. Yeah. yeah. And that's when obviously Norm's uh, hooked up with me and said, hey, let me help you with X, Y, Z. We went down to the shopping center and that's where we opened up the Black Mats. So was that the first, the gym that I last seen? Yes. Was that Black Mats gym? It was Black Mats. Okay. Yeah. And what kind of era was this? This was um, <clears throat> basically when mixed martial arts in this, in this country blew up. That's between, I would say... EFC 1 and EFC 30. Okay. That was the black mat days. That's when individuals wanted to do mixed martial arts for a living. Yeah. And that's kind of because that's what I've done my whole life. Guys came to me and that's what we, the structure we provided them with. Yeah. They could train anywhere between one and six times a day. Mm. And I was kind of like a mad scientist. That was my lab. I would do experiments with the guys and test this, do that. And I traveled all the all over the world to best coaches, best gyms, um, trying to find the secret formula, mm. bring it back, implement it. You know, and we had over 30 professional fighters then full-time. Mm. Any name that is now came from that era, came from those mats. Mm. Yes, um, over the years, t- you know, t- time is people time. Have people have way. gone yeah, different yeah. ways. But... Say but it was a kind of foundation that, of that, the big fighters. No one can ever say anything um, in terms of the Black Mac days because everyone came off that. Mac everyone day. talked about it. Like I, I've, you know, I've spoke to guys about it, um, and I know, you know, I know a lot of the guys that have come out of that era, and uh, everyone says it was just a different, it's a different breed back then. Back then, what I'm interested in because I know now. Like you hear Rogan and people talk about it. The way things have changed. Like Gracie changed that in UFC and made, made everyone realize, oh shit, you can't just stand up anymore. Yeah. You have to be able to do everything. Yeah. Um, back then in Africa, was it still a lot of, a, like in the early EFC days, was it a big striking game? Or was everyone realizing that you needed grappling as well? So um, jiu-jitsu and wrestling in that era was like null and void. Okay. You know, we've always had a massive uh, striking influence here. We had really good boxes, kickboxes, so forth. Yeah. Even in the karate world. <clears throat> so majority of the individuals here were strikers. And anyone that came in with some type of wrestling jiu-jitsu background did really well because it was very uneducated. Mm. And... Even back in, you know, like those days around the world, um, people started understanding the formula of mixed martial arts and yeah. what actually was uh, the most dominant, what needed to be done. You know, and that was the era of us traveling all over the world mm. and trying to understand and figure out and all of that. And there's no, no secret formula. Um, the person's the secret formula at the yeah. end of the day. You've got to have talent. You've got to have skill. You've got to have dedication. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then you've got to have someone like you put it in. Yeah. You know, I've seen guys since I've known you. I mean, so now let's move to where you are now before we go down that road. But now you've just got to a world-class facility. Your facility is insane yeah. now. You left, was it last year? Yeah. It was last year you left uh, no, the basement. Actually, uh, beginning of this year. It was beginning, beginning of this, of this year. year. Yeah. yeah, you left the basement at the beginning of this year. And now you're... Uh, 
located in Move, yeah, Sunning Hill. Hill. Yeah. And I tell you what, it is it's a world class facility. Yeah. And you've got world class it's what's nice about it is if you're gonna be, you know, people like Carl and Warren and anyone Mousy, anyone that's competing, Marty, anyone that's competing, that that you you need a fitness as well as a gym. And now it's very hard for you to go, cool, I need to teach you how to do this, but I also need you to keep fit. Whereas now you've got this facility yeah. that's like, go next door and cycle a 50 miles yeah. and come back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So the first, and you've got saunas and you've got cold plunge, you've got all this stuff that's just, it just kind of adapts to creating an athlete. Yeah. Because you can, as I said, you can have you. Yeah. If the person is willing to put the effort in, where you see the difference, and you know we've discussed this as well with certain certain fighters of yours, um, that when they go over to America, the facilities they're lacking you because they're not you're not with them anymore, but the facilities are a thousand times better. Yeah, you know if you look at Luke for instance, Luke for everyone who's not asking, you can go follow him on Instagram. It's Luke Griffith, yeah, and he's fighting at a new wave, which is John Danaher's yeah. place. Um, he's one of Richie's disciples he left uh south africa last year year before uh, two years ago two years ago and basically he's destroying everyone in flow grappling um he's a monster but his you his physical ability how that has grown in america versus how it could here because yeah. of the infrastructure yeah. the food sponsors the gyms you know all the stuff that yeah. has to back end an athlete yeah. which is what you've always said is lacking here but your new facility hmm now gives that yeah 100 percent. i mean like we've got guys that have um you know uh, contracted to ufc and come back here and they're used to the ufc pi yeah they look at our facility and be like bro it's exactly the yeah same. it's not yeah um but it's it's for me it's more about errors so we had the black mat error then we had the blue mat error and now we've got the gray mat error so it's kind of like phases in my life that we've mm. gone through and now it's it's also in my life right now, it's not so much about, I, I put in blue mats and the black mats. I put in so much of my life into athletes mm. that I forgot about the community. Mm. And now where it's now the community is first and the athletes are second. Mm. As well as because um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, the athletes are very selfish. Yeah, of That's course. That's how they have to be. They are, right? they're, all, they're all inclined that way as well. The egotistical they come, yeah, kind they of... Will, they will come and go. Only a handful will kind of like stick around and I'm talking about a handful. Yeah. But, and that's kind of like the phases of my life that, that I've been through. And right now, the gray mat era thing is like the perfect balance mm. where I've got a great community. It feels family orientated. Exactly. Which is nice. But we have the athlete aspect to it yeah. now that I'm balancing out a little bit. And by the middle of <coughs> next year, I'll, I think I'll have a good balance. An understanding of the both. I think what's nice as well, because the new facility is two levels, yeah. you could have two brutes going at each other upstairs. Because from what I heard about the black mat days, that's what was scary about that gym. You walked in and it was just ego-fueled fighters going at each yeah. other. Which if you're someone like me, I'm luckily because I knew you guys before yeah. I ever walked on the mats, but if I'm bringing my four-year-old daughter in and you see Marty beating down on yeah. someone, like it's like, oh, Christ. Whereas now... You go downstairs when the kids are rolling and everyone's having fun and it's nice, but you can go upstairs and you've got Liam and yeah. monsters going at each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, so like, it's nice because of that. Yeah. And I feel like 
you know, a lot of people speak very highly. I always speak highly of you. I always speak highly of people. I don't frankly care about people, people's accolades. I do because I fa I'm fascinated by how that person became to that. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by the life history of someone. But what I care more is about how a human is it as an individual. And you've always been such a pleasant guy to be around, but I know you're obsessive yeah. about the things that you love in your life more than anything jujitsu. Yeah. And I can see it in shooting and all your other stuff that you do, we'll go into in a minute. But, you know, everyone always says to me, you're a mad professor. That's how you're always described. Yeah. Um, and, you know, anytime I walked back in the basement back in the day, you're sat there staring at a screen. Even now, you know, 20 years later, staring at a screen of some fight back in yeah. God knows when, filmed on a Motorola 20, like a flip phone. You know, yeah. you're always trying to learn stuff. Yeah. And I think... I think it's a good message for a lot of people. I think the problem is with a lot of people and like, I've got nothing but love and admiration for what you and chef are doing. I'm trying to get chef on here one day, but it might not happen because he's <laughs> the most unsociable creature alive. Although I love him, but, um, you know, I always have admiration for people that have just worked their asses off. Yeah. Cause everyone looks at you now and goes, must be fucking nice. What they don't realize is you start kicking people in the head when you were nine. Yeah, and not only that, like at the peak, guys didn't realize I was running a gym, running a fight team full-time, and I was studying full-time, driving 45 minutes to university, and I got my criminology degree while doing all of this. Guys don't end doing privates and mm. living life. Mm. And doing, I mean, my day started at four o'clock in the morning. I used to only get home at like, nine ten at night you know mm. and i did that for years and years and years and wouldn't change it for anything and i'm still like that it's just i'm obsessive with shit yeah um, no i mean you're the me and you like the, there's a thing that goes along with men that are in this like all our friends are the same yeah i might not be obsessed with jujitsu if i didn't have that injury and i started earlier i'd be fucking so far in it because it's it's a mind fuck if you don't do jujitsu how Someone that weighs 64 kilos that is female can throw you around like a fucking rag doll. It's a mind fuck. Yeah. Everyone that goes, oh, jiu-jitsu is no good for self-defense. Cool. Come and stand in a room with one of my pals that's a blue belt and watch yeah. you get ragdolled. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> but I'm the same with bow hunting. Yeah. I'm the same with bows. Yeah, I'm that's the same, your thing, right? That's my thing. Yeah. And gear and that kind of thing. So, you know, for me, I always find it interesting, you know, like, and no one ever moans. Everyone just gets the fuck on with it. And it, it, at the level of people that I hang around with and admire, people just get the fuck on with it. We've, I've had a lot of, recently, a lot of guys who are moany and faffing and like, just like, grow the fuck up. Yeah. You're not going to get anywhere in life. You know, there's a thing with Carl. There's a thing with everyone I watch that's in that world. Just fucking cracking on. Yeah. They're cracking on. Just get up. And go to work. Do it every day. Put some work in. Yeah. 100%. That's what I do is the, every day I have a schedule. Every day I get that stuff done. Doesn't matter yeah. what's going on in my life. 100%. You know, I make sure that I get it done. Yeah. And not only that, you now have a, such a massive responsibility to the community and your athletes yeah. that, you know, I know you take it very personally when someone's ill or taking the piss or going out and drinking, and you know, because... What's weird with you is even though there's a financial aspect to it, there's something you can't replace as a man and that's your time. 
100%. time is more worth to me is worth more than anyone's money. Yep. So when you're divulging your time into an athlete and they're taking the fucking piss or they're not sticking to a schedule or they're not is a direct correspondence to go fuck yourself to you. Yeah. So like for me, I would find that, ex I, I would find it extremely hard. Yeah. Like, because if I've someone- I've only learned this lately. Right? Yeah. Now that how important my time is, I used to give it away for free. Yeah. And yeah, people used to use it and abuse it. Same as knowledge. Yeah. And only recently now, the, the, the gray mat error, mm. kind of like understood, okay, well, I'm not giving my time for free. Mm. I'm not giving my knowledge for free. I'll give it to the people that deserve it. No, 100%. But and, uh, you know, the knowledge thing is funny. Knowledge or whatever. Everyone always says knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power if you have the capability to use that knowledge. Yeah. You can teach me how to do the most crazy yeah. heel hook in the world. I haven't got the capability to pass it off. So yeah. knowledge means nothing if you haven't got capability. And capability, you have to have time. Yeah. So for me, it's kind of one of those things whereby a lot of people, and I've said it recently, I had literally put up an Instagram post 10 minutes ago on, Inst on Instagram saying to the Southwest people, like, if you're going to take the piss out of my time, I'm just going to refund your order. I have no interest in it. 100%. You know, treat people how you want to be treated. And that's the other thing. I ran around doing what I did for many years back home um, that I'm not going to divulge to the public, but... All those guys were egotistical, driven. Some of them were hard guys, but they all, they weren't peaceful people. Yeah. All the hardest people I know now are peaceful people. Yeah. It's really strange. I don't, I don't, it's, you know, what is that saying? No one understand the level of violence it took for me to be this gentle. Yeah. Like. Well, when you do violence every day. You don't need to be violent. Yeah. And you've got you nothing to prove. You've got nothing to prove. You understand it. Yes. Yeah? So, and. Unfortunately, our population right now, as males, don't understand violence. Ninety percent don't even un have a clue of what violence is, mm. or even witnessed it, which is scary because we live in South Africa, and I think the last stat was is fifty-seven murders a day, yeah. one hundred twenty-four carjackings. Yeah. You know, so it's quite crazy that a lot of men aren't men anymore. Yeah, like it's weird to me. Um, and granted, you know there's a hierarchy of men you know there's you guys once you get to your elite grapplers and your fighters they're just different breeds yeah. you know don madge for instance he's one of your guys um i know he's living in cape town now but he's got an affiliated gym that he started with uh by himself but like you know i remember meeting don and i was like they're different yep they're wired different well, especially that guy yeah i look i love don i talk to him all the time he should hate me I still don't understand how I didn't get murdered on that hunting trip. <laughs> um, but they're wired differently. Yeah. There's something different about certain people. But what fascinates me and what I kind of want to get to is if I was 21 listening to this, would I have gone, maybe I should go step on a jujitsu mat? And like for me, for my kids, there's no ifs or buts. That's the only degree. And it's nothing to do. It is something to do, especially a little girl. It's something to do with the fact that she can defend herself when she's 18. But it's more the fact I had no discipline as a kid. Mm -hmm. I hung around with the wrong fucking people. Mm -hmm. I had nothing to do. Boredom. Boredom equivalates to stupidity. And that's what our facility fulfills for A hundred percent. Is the youngsters can come. They're meeting like-minded people. They're understanding hard work. They're understanding some discipline. They're understanding yes, sir, no, sir. Ego. And they're getting their ego checked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
And this is why none of you guys fight is because you're like, I know what violence is. Yeah. It's like, there's no need for it. Yeah. Like, I don't need to do it. So, and then obviously, I don't know if I met you before you got in or were around the gun world. I can't remember. But anyway, so crossing over now from martial arts, um, the list is too long for the people that you trained around yeah. the world. And yeah. But there's a lot of guys and girls. Yeah, I've, I've, just like I see everything in my life as a, as a martial artist. So um, firearms is a martial art. Yeah. You know, and I've been, I was obsessed with martial arts, including weapons. Mm. And I did a whole lot of blade stuff in Asia when I could. Uh, couldn't own a firearm then because you can't own firearms. Mm. And when I went to the U.S., I was around firearms, but I'm not a U.S. citizen. So, so you can't, yeah. So when I came back, first thing I did was buy a firearm because yeah. now I can get into it. I know? mean, you're a boy as well. Like, yeah. I want guns. <laughs> yeah, I want guns. I want all the guns. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, basically started with IPSC and IDPA. Okay. And oh, so you went down that level of way went, of shooting. You know, especially back then, it was kind of the only... It was kind of the only like, thing. Yeah. You know? And the guys that I was around as well, and then um, that's what they did. Okay. They shot uh, IPSC and IDPA. So I, I did a whole lot of that for a while. Um, and then I had kind of like a sabbatical where I wasn't doing any courses or shooting competitions. I was just in this v vortex of martial arts and mm. competitors and all of that. And then I got back in and just started doing courses we're not kind of all over South Africa with instructors that are here and there and mm. all of that type of stuff. And actually, kind of when I met you mm. is when I went... Balls deep. Yeah. <laughs> into yeah. the gun side. Yeah, into the gun side and into that whole side. Uh, it's a life skill. I'm all about life skills. That, yeah, 100%. That is like my motto. I, I can't do anything if a I don't skill. see it as a life I skill. I like that. So you'll never see me playing like a stupid game like or, soccer. Or like playing the piano. Or, it's not yeah, a life it's, skill. It's not. If it's not going to improve my life, I'm like, well... Or keep you alive if you need to. I, I, I do so many things every day. Yeah. I'm not going to waste my time on, on that. No, I get you. Yeah. So everything that I do, I ask myself, is this a life skill? Uh, can I fix a car? Mm -hmm, can I fix mm -hmm, a human? Mm -hmm. Can I put holes in a human? Mm. Can I fight? Can I grow things? Can I build things? Can I fix things? You know, yes. that's kind of like my whole process of it. Yeah. No, I like that. I think too many people waste fucking time doing bullshit these days. Yeah, and so it's easy these days. I'm so easy. It's, yeah. we live in a world where everything's yeah. accessible and it's there and it's yeah. at your fingertips yeah. and it's so, yeah. you know. I've been umming and ahhing about deleting my own Instagram for yeah. so the last no, couple of months. We right? say that, but we can never because of the industry I look, and business. I'll, I'll delete mine. I have to keep yeah. the business side, but I, I'm so like, I'm bored. I, and you do it. Like, even though I know, like, I could be shooting my bow, I could be working on something, yeah. I'd be doing something. You'll sit down and 10 minutes later, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Put my phone down. You know, it's so easily accessible. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, I got on my bike and I rode down the road, knocked on Dan's door. Is Dan here? No, he's down at the park. I'm going to ride down to the park. Yeah. Like, there was, you had to entertain yourself. Yeah. You had to do something. 100%. And, and I'm, I'm very much like you. I like doing stuff. Yeah. Like, I like making stuff. I like building stuff. I like hunting. I like, you know. Yeah. Life skills. So, yeah, life skills. <laughs> Just without the rolling around and getting strangled by <laughs> little rage dwarf. Um, <laughs> Yo, what's good, guys? So a little thing I'm going to be doing every week in the podcast is I'm going to be giving out a discount code, 
I'm going to give you the code that you need to place on the website. So for anyone that's got this far, I'm going to do these every week, by the way. So if you become a regular, you'll get the codes. So for seven days from the day this is released, you will be able to use the code Richie the Ninja, all in capital letters. Um, and that will get you 15% off any holster well, uh, site-wide. Cool. Cheers, guys. Back from our little break. Um, where were we? So deploy. we were saying about deploy concepts. When did you get involved with deploy concepts? It was uh, COVID time. Okay. So when COVID hit. Yep. Uh, maybe like a year after that. Mm. Um, or yeah, when it did hit, I got obsessed with like, uh, I didn't have the life skill to save anyone's life. Okay. And I became obsessive about medicine and, you know, or if something happens. Obsessive is an understatement, yeah, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. anyone that's watching this, yeah. it's, just like a, it's basically a trauma surgeon without the fucking <laughs> actual documents, but carry on. Yeah. And just, um, I'm super happy I found this company because it literally changed my life. Mm. I can definitely say that. But probably the, one of the most important factors in my life right now was uh getting involved with the boy concepts. Mm. Yeah, I mean you're there's you chef Matt they're just heavily in deep with them. Yeah. I'm not going to name who owns deploy concepts because if you know them you know them if you don't you don't. But um one of the owners is currently off running around the world doing stuff and the other owner is here but he his knowledge base is insane. Like yeah, he's it's, a MacGyver. <laughs> He's you of everything tactical. Yeah, times by 10. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, But yeah, you know, when I say he's you, I mean you in jujitsu is him in the tactical world. He's obsessive. He knows it. Like his mind is mind-boggling. Some of the stuff he said in the past when we've just been having conversations, I would have never thought of that. Um, And I know you're really deep in with them. and anyone that doesn't know who Deploy Concepts are, if you're in South Africa and you don't, but somehow following this, I don't know where you've been. So they are a training group that specialize in training individuals in life skills. Yeah, life skills. Basically, um, from shooting. So they do everything from the most fundamental stuff. So as a beginner, because a lot of problem, I get a lot of questions about Deploy from the company saying, do you have to know stuff? And I'm like, no, you don't have to know anything. Mm-mm. You know, they have a different uh, spectrum of courses. They have courses for where you guys are doing stuff. Yeah. And they have courses all the way down to yeah. how do you shoot a handgun? Yeah. Um, and then they got the uh, Blade Runner course, which is a long, you're just about to finish, I think. Yeah. Um, which is a very long processed CQB course because single day CQB doesn't happen um and single man cqb doesn't happen single man cqb is hope you survive you need to be in the building that is how i sum it up yeah there's no there's no other reason there's no such thing no (laughs) you're either running into a building because you're hearing your missus screaming at which point you're not cqb shit (laughs) you're going to shoot yeah you're getting into a fight you're hoping you're going to walk out (laughs) um so yeah and obviously Matt, who's an old friend of mine, I've known Matt for years, um, who I might have on because he's also an interesting little character. Um, so, yeah, so deploy concepts. If you don't know them, deployconcepts.com or .co.za, I don't know what it is. Um, 
go on there, book a course with the guys. Um, plans going forward, Rich. What's your um, what's 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 in what is in store for Mister Richard Kwan? I mean, <clears throat> just the the consistent like learning stuff that I'm bad at mm. and stuff that I think I need to master more. So, you know, obviously my job is martial arts, so mm. that never ends. Uh, building my community, building the gym. Um, then I have the athlete side. I have a whole lot of you know guys going over to European worlds. I've got guys internationally that are coming here and you know going back. And yeah, there's a lot of things in terms of that that that's going on. It's really good. I literally can't complain. Mm. Um, my personal side, you know, I've got all the you know I'm always involved in medicine. I'm involved in firearms. Now you know, obsessive about the the, the archery oh, world. Oh shit, we haven't even talked yeah. about that side yet. And that archery world is again, it's, it's another martial art for me. Mm. Uh, you guys actually got me into it. Mm. Um, it's sustainment, isn't it? It's a life skill. It's a life. If skill. the world goes to shit, yeah. I can take a bow and twelve arrows, and I can survive an awful long yeah. time. And it's a martial art. Yes, it, it's the closest thing I could say to to martial arts. The the obsession and understanding and the skill set because it's a demissioning skill set. Yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah. do it every day. No. Like I have to know. shoot every day. Yeah. If I, I don't, mean, I'm fucked. Hundred percent. In know? one week. It's not like I, I always tell guys, um, they say, Oh, you hunt. I say, Yeah, I hunt. Oh, so what rifle? And they're like, no, I don't use a rifle. Mm. They're like, but why? It's like, well, you know, you can grab a general guy, sit him down for an hour with a rifle side in pull the trigger and he can go and you know get his get his food mm. but with archery there is no way that happens first of all you have to get your own equipment mm. there's no boring, i can't pick your bow yeah. up and just shoot it and then you need six months of training mm. to actually understand and put an arrow where you need it to be at a certain distance and if you're not putting in the time you're not going to get the reward and the problem is with archery especially so i think with archery it's um I was actually there when you killed your first Impala on the last hunt, which yep. was cool to witness. Um, yeah, I think archery, archery and hunting are two different things, okay? Because I can take a really good archer and he won't be able to hunt because he hasn't learned that skill set. There's a thing with bow hunting. Yeah. The amount of skill sets involved in it are yeah. so astronomically yeah. large and the variables... You know, I don't know much about jujitsu, but if I'm in full guard, there's only certain ways you can get out. Yeah. Whereas if I'm walking in the bush with a bow and I see an animal, there's a fuck. The variables are so astronomical, especially in Africa. Africa is yeah. terrible. It's like yeah. the worst. Everyone's like, oh, why does everyone hunt out for hide? It's because if you walk and stalk in this country, you yeah. better be prepared to put some work in. Yeah. Like we were saying outside, you know, the. Walk and stalk bow hunting in this country is not for the faint-hearted. Yeah, and it's not, and it's you can't compare it to North America. No, you can't because no. hunting an elk and hunting what we hunt here with the amount of animals, so for instance, watching out for bird life. Yeah, that are the alarms, and they'll just it. follow you along. Hundred like, percent. You know. You know what I mean? I've had monkeys sit there, and I was sat down and been like fuck you lot i'm not even moving until you go away and they'll sit there for 45 minutes screaming at you and you're like come on guys just jog on exactly. let me that's when you need don madge the monkey slayer yeah. um <laughs> so i i mean i'm obsessive about it i fucking love bows um we were talking about it on the way in here i'm having 
Well, it's because you love mechanicals as well. No, I don't love mechanicals. Listen, look, this is the word on the street. So there's, we, I talk about this in episode two. And you love stabilizers. <laughs> Fucking hate stabilizers. <laughs> um, and that's because I'm just small and weak. Um, there's, yeah, there's the four of us. So you've got Warren, who is actually a black belt recently under Richie. You have Rourke, who is a purple belt under Richie. He's referred to as Rage Dwarf because um, he loves rages and he's about that big. Although he could snap me in half. Then you have Richie and then you have the Pikey. And then you have Dex. He's in Australia. It doesn't count anymore. Um, <laughs> he can only shoot pigs. So in fact, he can't shoot anything because his bow's not even there yet. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's all of us. And we've... Uh, we think we're going hunting next month, aren't we? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. next month I need some meat, so... Mm. So... Yeah, I think me me and Dex got into the whole bow hunting thing really deeply, so we're not going to go into it too deep. But like, it is, it's one of those things. Like, I think I've shot stuff with the rifles now in this country. I didn't for many years, um, and I picked up someone else's rifle and shot something at three hundred ninety yards and downed it. It's like, yeah, I'd been after that same bull for three days. Yeah with like seven blown stalks with a bow. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's a different ball game. Definitely. Um, it's, it's a very easy thing to master a 300 yard shot with a rifle versus mastering a 60 yard shot. I mean, mastering the six, mastering the six, 70, 80, 90, I equivalent it to this. If you can shoot a hundred yards inch group with a bow, it's like mastering a 1.2 kilometer shot with a rifle. 100%. It's far. Yeah, it's far. Like so much goes into an arrow at that distance. Yeah. So much goes into an arrow full stop. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you're on board with that one yeah. because, I mean, it is the funnest thing to go do. I actually just said we went to the garage to get some drinks afterwards and I was like, we're going through a heat wave at the moment. It's 38, 40 degrees. And I was like, it's a perfect day to go sit by a watering hole. That's exactly. what I think. When I get hot weather like this, I'm like, I need to go find water. <laughs> sit, there with, sit there with a bow. Um, but yeah, Rich, man, I, I just think it's a pleasure to have known you, mate, to be mm. frankly honest. I say known you like you're about to leave. Yeah. I'm just used to talking to Dexter, who was. Um, and yeah, I see your success is great. And you know, I, everyone I'm always around speaks of you highly. Yeah. Generally, if someone says someone's a cunt, all right, that's because they're a cunt. If enough people say, yeah, he's a fucking genius and he's got a lot of time for people, that's the reason. And I think anyone watching this that's a full-grown adult and thinks it's too late to get into jiu-jitsu, maybe it is. It's a hell of a commitment. Even me that gets obsessive with things, it's a commitment, yeah. all right? It's a commitment in time. It's a commitment on your body. It's a commitment to a lot of stuff. Um, but the one thing I can stipulate massively is if you have kids like get them involved get them involved because you're getting them involved into a world in which is healthy respectful etc i mean if you look at you where you are today you wouldn't have done that unless you walked into a if i didn't know martial arts i would never be who i am today exactly and every martial artist i know at a high level now who's been doing it 10 15 years they're all nice people yeah even the what we would consider some of the most dangerous animals are nice people. Yeah. Like, they're respectful. Yeah. Yes, sir, no, sir. You know, some of the guys that most feared in the gym will come up, bow and shake my hand, hand when they come in. How are you, James? And, that, and that's a big thing for us is uh, I'm a massive believer in traditions. Yes. 
then this era that we're going into like um, rule sets and uh, traditions are kind of getting frowned upon and that's a big thing in in our facility is that we'll never verge away from, no. from the traditions of of what martial arts made martial arts you know? yeah i think the whole world's bowing away from it yeah, yeah. unfortunately the, the whole left wokeism kind of thing is just making the world and it's gonna there's gonna go around in circles hey it's gonna come back and i hope so but it's also got to do a little bit with the with the mixed martial art era yeah because it's a mixture of martial arts people think that it's not a martial art and mm. kind of throw away the art side of it and just keep the martial side of it mm. and you need both it's that of whole yin yang you know so you need both but uh and not only that mixed martial arts you're only successful if you're great at different disciplines yeah. like that's well, you have to be a striker you everyone, have to be everyone goes who's the best martial artist and why the best martial artist you know who's the best champion and for me, it's the guy who loves martial arts is always going to have the greatest success in martial arts because a lot of people in mixed martial arts don't actually Love enjoy it. martial arts. They, they, it, they enjoy the f fighting, but they're not martial artists. And the youngsters that are coming in through the gym, I always tell them, if you can learn to love martial arts, you will be in a better advantage of being successful than the guy that just wants to fight. Just want to get tough. 100%. I don't care where it comes yeah. from. I just want to get tough. 100%. And I, I mean, if you look at any of the big guy, I was watching a thing not long ago about Khabib. And like, he turns up every day. Yeah. Studies every day. We were just talking in the break about John Donner, yeah. how he studies every day. And not only that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's the tradition. It's the tradition. It's I the mean, respect. His whole team is something stupid like 96 and 0. Yeah. Uh, they got belts in every single promotion. Yeah. And that's people forget that that his what his father did. Like they train every single morning, mm -hmm. no matter what. Then they eat, they sleep, they wake back up in the afternoon, they train the second session. Mm. When they're on the mat, on his mat, <laughs> you have ma majority of the world champions that we see on TV, right? Fighting but each it's other. <laughs> the <laughs> highest on one side, down to the lowest because of respect yep. and then you have the coaches in front they bow class in yeah everyone respects the coaches they do their warm-ups they listen it's still that art part of yes. martial arts that they haven't lost that respect mm. that that is there and rules and regulations and discipline as well that creates you, discipline yeah, if you, you don't have rules you're you, not going to have discipline you got guys that are massive champions ufc pfl bellator but when they're on the mat, they're not acting like they're these no, superheroes. they're students. They fall into line. They're a student. Yeah. Of, of what that culture is. Mm -hmm. And they've somehow been able to keep that. Yeah. And that's why I think that is the biggest success of them. Everyone wants to say it's because they're Dagestani and they're from the mountains. No, it's not. It's the me, discipline it's, and the respect. 100%. That's what's made. And I think the next era right now that is coming in will be the Chinese. Mm-hmm. And how the Chinese have... Because they're just so disciplined. Yeah. At anything they, they do. They've got literally factories of MMA kids yeah. that started 10 years ago mm -hmm. that are starting to come into the ranks now. Mm. Literally factories of kids. Mm. So I think that's the next generation is we're going to see the Asians come mm. in and flood the scene. And mm. they slowly are coming in. The females you've been seeing... The females are really big well. now, yeah. But the, the, the male guys will come through. And I think, yeah, I think that's going to gonna kick up a storm a little bit but i do believe it's it's got to do a lot with the the traditional 
aspects and the rules and regulations of aspect of storm training martial arts? I think it's, you know, I think it goes across anything you see people doing hard. If you go into any sort of the special forces armed branches across the world, it's the same thing. You know, you've got 20 dudes who are the hardest men on the face of the planet, but the boss walks in. How you doing, boss? What can I do for you, boss? Hierarchy, there's rules and regulations. Yeah. And they turn up no matter what. There's a schedule. And they turn up. Yeah. We wake up, we do X, we do Y. We do not, I think I'm going to feel like maybe Mm. if I can. uh, No, 100%. And I think, you know, and and like I struggle with that as a, because I never grew up in that world. And that's why I think my kids are so... For me, I know the right route now, and I don't necessarily always perform it myself, but I, I know that if I instill that upon my children, there'll be a better version of me. Yeah. And I think as a father, that's what you want to raise. I don't want to raise my replacement to be a shittier version of me. Yeah. I want a more dangerous, yeah. more adjusted, more well-adapted, yeah. more respected, more respectable version of me. 100%. So, you know, I think it's such a big thing what we need to do is really kind of un- get parents to understand that the concept of start them young they will grow into men earlier and there's a theory i live by for that and the closest guys to me they understand that theory because i used to throw it around a lot Mm. back in the days and that's a kaizen theory kaizen yeah it's a japanese understanding of one percent better every day so when everyone Uh. wants to do something or get better at something or improve something especially guys like us that are obsessive, mm. they want to get good now. And if they can't, they fall off the boat. So mm. Kaizen theory, you know, um, is getting doing something every day 1%. Mm. Uh, you, and you can take in, anything. If I need to learn a language, I'm doing 10 minutes a day, not three hours a day where I'm going to burn myself out. Mm. If I want to learn photography, I'm doing 15 minutes a day, mm. every single day mm-hmm. consistently. It's a, Again, making sure turning up turning up getting it done not shying away from it so mm. that the kaizen theory man that's kind of what i live my life around i like that yeah i say it to, i say it some people may not know and whatever but i'm in recovery and we we talk about it a lot in recovery you say tomorrow you've got to be a better version of yourself today yeah and whether that's you're 10 rand richer you're 10 rand happier yeah you, you, it, the concept is the same Get better, 1% every day, 365% better in a year. 100%. So, and guys, don't add that up. And if you have that, it keeps you in line very easily. Mm. doesn't burn you out. And you can do multiple things then because you don't have to obsess about x only and yeah. leaving everything else out that is my i got i've got that issue and that's why i can study and do th- four or five different things mm. all the time and but guys just are like you're ah. very good at you're very good at compartmentalizing what you need to do yeah i have a massive adhd it's martial arts buddy yeah exactly that exactly it's literally that you know <laughs> for me schedule is a is a lifestyle for me yeah I, and you've lived I, it so long. I wake up at the same time every day. I go to sleep at the same times every day. I work out at the same times every day. I study certain things at the same time every, every day. single day. Mm. My life is a schedule. Mm. Um, and But it makes me productive. Mm-hmm. And that's why guys are like, this week you've done six different things. I how? Mean, how? <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's... 
it's literally just about that. Yeah. Like we said, get your kids into martial arts. They'll be yeah. better versions of you. Yeah. Rich, it's been a pleasure having you on. I do thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, Hopefully this blows up. You've been wanting to do this for so many years. Yeah, it was something I wanted to do for ages. It just didn't have the opportunity, the right timing. Yeah. Everything's about timing in life. And I've got to a point now where I'm like, cool, let's get it done. And as I said, my whole plan is just to have interesting guys that someone can learn something from, listen to. Help them out. And move on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you want to find Richie, you can find him on Instagram, Richie Kwan. Uh, you can find Kwan Weasels on Instagram. Yeah. Um, do you have a website? Quanvessels.com. Uh, okay, Quanvessels.com. Guys, if you're in the Sunning Hill area and you have kids of four, about four, you start them yeah. off, aren't you? Four. Yeah. yeah. Um, take them along. It ain't going to do you any harm. Um, as I said, I unfortunately don't partake and I should, but I can see the benefits of kids. I, I see kids that are 12, 13, 14 years old that have come, in out, come out of there. Yeah. They're just far better humans yep. than most 14-year-old kids. The same as the adults. Like we say about Carl, who lives next door to me, they're just better adults. Yeah. In my community, we just want good humans yep. around. If you're not a good human, the gym's not going to be the place. Well, it's generally, you're going to get smashed out of it. 100%. Let's be honest. That's it. So, yeah, as you said, ego gets checked real quick yeah. um, in, a, in a gym. Um, you leave everything at the table. And if you can't hack that, then you're not the kind of person that's going to keep on coming back. Every tribe has their vibe, so you can go. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But I think anywhere in the world, if you think you're going to walk in and be the boy into a yeah. gym, you're just going to get your yeah. ego checked. Yeah. And it might be good for you. No, 100%. I mean, I learned a lot. I strived, I strived, you know, the brief period that I started playing around, I strived a lot away from. Yeah. cool i'm not playing with people anymore yeah, like it's not worth it not worth it if exactly. i need to be violent i'll be violent at a point that i need to defend my life yeah but i'm not doing anything in between 100%. because it's pointless it's zero point That's how it should be 100 percent. richie much cool. love my brother you too thank we'll you so soon. much peace